if I may. No! Welcome back to I Want My MCU TV with Don Melton, Kelly Gamont, and me, your hostess, Lisa Schmeiser. We are here today to talk about the third episode of The Falcon and the Snowman Can't Be Friends, or as people who can remember the name of the television show call it, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> no, actual true story. I was trying to um, tell my family I had to come down to record this and and this is not my first podcast today. And, oh, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, you know, the Falcon and the Snowman can't be friends. And and realize, like, I had somehow transposed an Oklahoma number with a 1980s espionage movie with a TV show. And that's how we got to where we are today. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Every, you know, I knew every, exactly. Everything is a mashup, right? So Yeah, well, this is why we do this podcast is because all of us get these references. I just... <laughs> Sadly, we do, which yeah. is just kind of has me worried. Oh my god! But now, if we're really if we're really quiet, we can hear a load of crazy Reddit theories because for a while Hugh Jackman starred in Oklahoma, and this is going to be how the X Men come to the universe. Right? So, have you guys ever seen his Oklahoma performance? Yes. Isn't I actually it? have not uh, seen it. I imagine it's uh, fabulous, though. It airs on PBS occasionally. You go watch it. Yeah. And we'll come back. It'll be fine. <laughs> it airs on PBS occasionally. And I think the um, YouTube channel, The Show Must Go On, might have aired it way back at the beginning of the pandemic. There was a um, theater channel associated with uh, the, the London Theater Road that did. Mm -hmm. It is astonishing. Like, and bear in mind, I came into this, um, you know, knowing Hugh Jackman from the X-Men. And I remember watching this and just being gobsmacked by how good the performance is. Like, Hugh Jackman is just a natural for the role. <laughs> it was, so, yeah. anyway, all of you who are listening to us talk about Oklahoma instead of the Marvel show you came on to, um, you'll be forgiven if you bail out now to go look for what we're talking about on YouTube. Um, otherwise, stick around because we are going to be talking about episode three today. Um, I also want to mention that the reason this show is late is because a few current events interfered with production. Namely, Kelly, Don, and I have all uh, gotten vaccinated or or rather in various stages of vaccination. Kelly and Don, you both had the first of your two shots, right? Yes. Uh, Kelly, how did you get yours? Uh, I volunteered with the county health department. And so mm -hmm. by volunteering with them, I was able to get uh, vaccinated at the end of an event. Let's hear it for volunteering. That's how my boss got vol uh, vaccinated because she volunteered with uh, her health department out in New Hampshire. And, yeah. so, and plus it feels like actual helping, which was mm -hmm. great. So, yeah. yeah. And and Don, um, I'm just going to assume that a, a roving squad of immunologists came to your door. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> I, uh, the good news about uh, the vaccination, I want everybody to know, uh, getting a shot doesn't really hurt. I barely noticed the actual shot. Uh, sure, uh, my wife and I both we got it at the same time. Uh, you know, we got the sore arm for a day. You know, no other symptoms or whatever, which is usually the case with the. Uh, uh the first shot uh mm -hmm. so stop being whiny babies and get the shot <laughs> yeah uh it's not that big a deal uh for depending on the vaccine you get the second shot can uh uh can be a tv day for you you can just watch tv yes. the whole day so, yeah. so i will say i got the one shot i got the johnson and johnson the one shot um completely painless going in my husband and i got them the same day uh his sight still hurts him Ooh. mine has not hurt uh, as a matter of fact i was able to swim a mile breaststroke the next day i haven't moved back to freestyle yet because that's a different range of motion and my arm does sting a little when i do that but okay. for me um i did have side effects for about 24 hours it was like getting a mild case of the flu like we're talking just shaking fatigue headaches things like that this is actually why we delayed as i was just yeah. not feeling it. and you know what Getting mm -hmm. those things is a good thing. Because it means your immune system's working. Like every neutrophil in your body is like, all right, boys, we finally have something after a year of no colds. And um, <laughs> it, yeah. Yes. yeah, like it lasted about 24 hours. Uh, and then like, again, I went and swam a mile and had a pot of coffee and I felt fine. So, <laughs> yeah. so all right. 
So yeah, um, anyway, we apologize, but we don't really because our immune systems needed the boost. We're doing our part yes. for public health. Um, <laughs> so we're all fully back, we're all vaccinated. We're back, we're ready to talk about the episode that takes us to the halfway line in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And now, as frequent listeners of this show will remember, our podcast is neatly divided into three parts. There's the recap, there's the reaction, and then there's really? really? <laughs> Whereupon Don Melton drops all his Marvel knowledge to Kelly and Mai's perpetual amazement. Uh, so what I'd like to do is start with the ritual assignment of the recap. Longtime listeners will know. I usually ask and uh, then I say, oh, fine, and I go ahead and do it. So I don't <laughs> suppose either one of you would like to do the recap tonight? Well, I'm going to volunteer this time <gasps> and shock the world. <gasps> It's a what? disco inferno. Yes, yes, I'm I'm coming out on the podcast. Uh, doing, doing recaps. <laughs> oh my I've god! Like, I'm dancing like this. Diana Ross right now. Like Let I've got the arms out. Know. It's it's yeah, it's, it's Studio yeah. 50. Don, yes, let's do the recap with Don Milton. <laughs> I'm doing this for one of our Twitter followers who uh, bugged me about I can't remember his name all of a sudden because I'm a jerk and I'm old and I forget names. But, mm -hmm. buddy, this is for you. The recap. You're getting it. There we go. So, all right. Episode three, Power Broker. After a Global Repatriation Council feel-good commercial, John Walker and Battlestar emerge from a GRC Polizei van. They bust into the Flag Smasher's comfy hideout in Munich, Germany, but the anarchists are all gone. The CIA doesn't know their whereabouts, but an increasingly frustrated Walker bets on Sam and Bucky finding them first. Sam and Bucky enter the prison holding Helmut Zemo in Berlin, Germany. Bucky alone tells Zemo about the new super soldier serum. Sam and Bucky argue about breaking Zemo out since he knows where to look for the serum. And after Zemo easily escapes, the new team visits Zemo's classic car collection for supplies and a purple hood. Then it's shop talk and head games during a flight mm -hmm. in Baron Zemo's private jet. Yes, 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 yes. Meanwhile, Carly Morgenthau visits her dying adoptive mother at a GRC resettlement camp in Riga, Latvia. And later, Carly and her flag smashers loot a GRC supply depot in Vilnius, Lithuania. Folks are going all over the globe with this show. Uh, Carly blows the, the place on their way out, killing everyone inside and shocking her lieutenant. Uh, then Sam, Bucky, and Zemo arrive in Madripoor, a fictional criminal sanctuary in the Indonesian archipelago. They head to a bar in the low town side filled with ambiance and characters straight out of a John Wick movie for good reason. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge, which I'll explain later. Simo mm -hmm. poses as himself, Bucky as duh, the winter soldier mm -hmm. and Sam as the fashion forward smiling tiger. <laughs> They're told by a thug that the power broker doesn't want them there. After some winter soldier brawling, they're allowed to meet Selby, the bar owner and criminal go-between. She tells them that they should talk to Dr. Wilfred Nagel about the super soldier serum. A gunshot through the window kills Selby. A fight ensues and Sam, Bucky and Zemo kill her guards. They're soon surrounded by bounty hunters while trying to escape, but ta-da! Sharon Carter, our own Agent 13, rescues them. At her palatial pad in Hightown, we learn that she's been a fugitive since Civil War and is now an, air quote, art dealer in Madripoor. Sam makes a deal with Sharon to get her a pardon in exchange for her help finding Nagel. The next day, Sharon leads them to a shipping container facility. Sam, Bucky, and Zemo interrogate Nagel inside his secret lab there while Sharon battles more bounty hunters outside. At gunpoint, Dr. Wilfred Nagel gives them his bio. 
He was hired to restart Hydra's Winter Soldier program and then recruited by the CIA after Hydra fell. The CIA gave him blood samples from an American super soldier, likely Isaiah Bradley, but he was disintegrated by Thanos before he could complete his work. After the blip and his return, the power broker funded him in Madripoor. He made 20 vials of serum, but Carly Morgenthau stole them all. And then she actually had the gall to ask for Nagel's help later to save her adoptive mother. Zemo kills Nagel, nasty, after the doctor says he doesn't have any more serum. Then the lab explodes when a bounty uh, hunter launches a grenade at it. All four escape, and Zemo dons his purple baron hood, killing several (laughs) bounty hunters. Sharon stays in Madripoor while Bucky and Sam leave in yet another classic car with Zemo. Back on Zemo's plane, Torres calls Sam with the location of Carly's mom based on clues from Nagel. Sam, Bucky, and Zemo arrive in Riga for some kind of meeting, but Bucky goes for a walk. Following a trail of Kamoyo beads, Bucky finds Ayo from the Wakandan Special Forces, who tells him she's there for Zemo. A to black and cryptic credits. That's it. <laughs> Yay! Oh wow! Thank you. So to so so to to sum up a little bit, we got callbacks to what you could call Baron Zemo's original sin, which was king, killing King Chaka, T'Chaka. Yes. T'Chaka, yeah. We got a callback to his original quest, which was to break up the Avengers by weaponizing the Winter Soldier and get some of his own against the Super Soldier program. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, we also got a few references to, um, you know, the blip again, especially in terms of displaced populations and um, people picking up and putting down projects. So, 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 so basically this episode is kind of a, mm -hmm. I might add, I completely left out the disco scene uh, in a high, uh, high town in uh, Sharon's uh, palatial palace where we see Zemo, boogie mm-hmm. out it's just worth the price of admission for that sorry so so you could argue almost that this episode is kind of an unofficial coda to civil war because it shows some of the fallout and how long some memories are going to be because yes. wakanda has had basically a hit on zemo's head for seven years and one presumes that they held they, they stayed their hand because zemo was in custody um and I'm going to guess that, like, the minute he slipped custody, like, a Wakandan spy or somebody, like, sent a notice to the kingdom formally and said, so that you know, this is what's what. And, you know, now now we've got – now we've got uh, – what is her name? Um, Io. Not a, Io. Now we've got Io on Io. the case. So now we've got Io on the case, presumably acting on the, on the, on the part of the Wakandan state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so let's get to the reaction section, because uh, what I found interesting on at least one Slack that I'm on, reaction to this episode was really sharply mixed. And in taking a quick trawl around the web, we had people who were really pretty lukewarm on this episode. And I find that reaction super interesting, because I'm always intrigued when people come away with a completely different take than I have. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I want to know, was there anything that you guys got excited about in this episode or things that you're still chewing on because either they don't make sense or you can't wait to see where they're going? Uh, both of those together at the yeah. same time for several things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly, you go first, though. Uh, well, uh, first is uh, how we ended up with Wakanda on the scene. Um I am excited about that and uh, very curious to see where it goes. Um, I was tired at the end of this episode. I just felt like so much stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and maybe it's because a lot of stuff that happened, uh, like you said, called back to a lot of things in Civil War. So it was almost like... Um, you know, uh, it was almost like getting uh, 10 pounds of plot in a five pound yeah. sack um, because like, oh, remember, that's from 
this movie where all of this other stuff happened. And this is from that other thing where all of these other things took place. And this is from this other thing where lots and lots of things happened. And, you know, yeah, we get to the end and, and, you know, it's exciting and it's crazy. And, uh, I looked and, uh, it's Rick Allen who wanted you to do the recap Don. So hi, Rick. Thanks for listening. Yep, Rick. Um, yes, sorry. I thanks for making name. requests. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm super excited about the request. Um, so, I just mostly I think it's just that I felt like so much happened in this episode. And, you know, I think I think a lot of it has to do with uh, all of it being tied to other stuff as sort of, you know, the culmination of a storyline or the next chapter of a storyline that we've had. So Mm -hmm. it was um, it wasn't overwhelming, but it was relentless. And it just like it just kept coming at you. And, you know. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, Zemo's got a hood and he's a bad guy. But, you know, then he, yeah. he got in a car and rolled up and was like, okay, so, like, what's the next thing we're going to do here? And, yeah. and you know, um, and Sharon showed up and then, you know, like, totally knows her way around. And um, for all of the advancement we got, we still got a lot of um, off ramps. And yeah. I don't know, I don't know if those off ramps lead to actual places or not yet. Yeah, I, so, I'm, a little, I'm a little distracted by the off ramps. Me and too. Who shot Selby is a very big question I have oh, because I'm not convinced Sharon's, it was Sharon. Sharon. Sharon shot oh, I didn't think it was so, Sharon. I figured it was the power broker because they named this episode okay, the so, power well, broker. So I have, so I have two. Person. Well, okay. So let's talk about Sharon Carter um, because I think in some ways Sharon kind of explains why the episode um may not have landed with some people and why it may have landed strongly with others. And the reason for that is Sharon actually represents a pretty significant chunk of backstory. So if you're Mm -hmm. somebody who's new to the MCU, you're like, who is this chick from revenge and why is she playing the same character? Which is basically what happened. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you have all of this MCU lore banging around your head and I want to go on record as saying, I don't think you should have to do like, um, required reading to enjoy a TV show. Like I should be able to watch a run of this show with somebody who's fairly new to the MCU and have them still enjoy the show for its own sake and figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so if you approach this episode from that perspective, you do have a character like Sharon Carter who like drops a bunch of backstory about how she's been left high and dry for seven years. So we find out she obviously hasn't been dusted, right? Um, She's turned into a, an art dealer, but I wouldn't be surprised if she's also an arms dealer. And, um, and then it's pretty heavily implied. She's also the power broker. Like that's the take I would have if I knew nothing else about Sharon Carter, she got burned. So now she's, you know, uh, clawed her way to the top of the new world order since everything she believed in turned on her. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. That said, I think you could probably make a couple good arguments for, Sharon being a liar because she's still working for Shields. <laughs> yeah, we we mm-hmm. don't really know what's going on, but yeah, uh, did everybody? Did you all notice that Sharon was at the bar when yes. the guy comes in? Yeah, she's they the made hooded you lady. notice that she's yeah. the hooded lady who flips her hood, and then you see her disappear. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty evident from the go that she was shadowing them because she also shows up super conveniently as they're leaving the bar, and everyone's. Right. everyone's phones light up like they're all the the chips in the mandalorian um <laughs> and yeah and the- it, exactly and it, i i think it's i think it's pretty obvious that she's the one who uh killed selby but that also shows what you know she had just no compunction about killing somebody i mean true yeah. they were threatening her friends so to speak but she didn't have any compunction about that. So there are lots of theories on the net that she's the power broker, but there are lots of other people are saying, yeah, I don't think so. Well, but a, there's a, a whole thing about villainy. when she gets in the car mm-hmm. uh, later on and, you know, and says to her assistant, her driver, we've got two problems. Mm-hmm. So what are those two problems? But the key thing I think is totally cool is they're willing to change characters and due to Sharon, some of the things they did to her in the comic books, I'll get to that in O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the other thing is, she is just such a badass. I love her. Kicking okay, so here's my theory. Hunters up one side and down the other. My theory is that she took the serum. 
that that would be very different than the comics. My but, theory yeah. is okay. So my theory about I was like really wrong about most of my Wandavision theories. I'm pretty sure. Like I haven't gone back and reviewed it, but um, applying <laughs> applying my peculiar brand of logic to to the storytelling narrative here, my theory is that Sharon has set herself up as power broker because it's a Nick Fury slash Shield play to keep an eye on the forces opposed to the global reunification council. The idea being that if she acts as like some underworld bad guy, it's a more effective way to gather Intel and figure out where the Mm. hot spots are. So, and the episode is called the the power Power broker Broker. and the, the character we are introduced to in this episode is Sharon. So, and so, mm. and so the reason that the power broker is peeved at Carly is like entirely legit, but her text has like a double meaning because she, Carly may be like, oh, the power broker is mad that I took the serum. The power broker might be mad about a lot more than that. Yes. Um, and then my other theory is that Sharon wants to keep an eye on who's got the super soldier serum because whoever controls that effectively controls the balance of power in the world. And so right now her two big problems are she has a dead pet scientist and she's going to have to answer to some Senate subcommittee about that. And um, Mm -hmm. the second problem she's got is that Zemo's in the wind and that's an international diplomatic incident about to happen as we saw in the extreme last scene of this episode. Um, I don't think Sam and Bucky are anywhere. Not Yeah, yeah, that's Sam. I don't think Sam and Bucky are are anywhere on her list of problems. Um, And if anything, I would suspect she probably has like a tiny twinge of conscience for letting Sam be like, don't worry, Sharon, I'll clear your name because I, you know, we both love this country and what it stands for. And she's like, oh, my God, you you sweet summer child. (laughs) (laughs) But I certainly got that. And I, I love the. I love their willingness to take the character in a new way. And yeah. the, when they're like, we don't like you anymore. It was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the actress certainly loved uh, uh, playing that part and doing that. Uh, she was in an interview and she just had a blast doing this show. Apparently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, one of the things uh, I liked in this was the, the playing back and forth with, how we all feel about uh, Carly Morgenthau. Mm, Is she sympathetic? You know, we were going down that path. Oh my God. I'm starting to see their point of view. They're doing the right thing. Crap. She just blew everybody up, you know, and she just has no compunction about it at all. So I love it that you're confused at the end, you know, good guy, bad guy. The other thing is with John Walker, what they're doing with him is he's just slowly going off his nut. And, you know, there's there's tension developing between him and Battlestar. Right? So John Walker is the type of guy they make a point of giving you his resume in the previous episode where he's always been someone who is used to excelling and having a support apparatus that offers unconditional support towards Mm -hmm. his goals like you saw i feel like there's a reason you first saw him revisiting his past glory in a high school locker room and his girlfriend is like yes i used to have to talk to you before the games and then they go out of their way to point out oh he did well at the academy and he's done this with it and he has never been in a situation where people don't do what he wants them to do and he doesn't get the outcome he expects. This is a guy who believes he deserves to be Captain America on some level. Yep. He's yep. already smarting because Captain the, the OG Captain America's two besties were like, no, 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 and walked away. And he doesn't even have the consolation of, other people falling at his feet in recognition of him being Captain America. He's just like wrong all of the time, wrong and things are going badly for him. <laughs> and he's, yeah. he doesn't, and he doesn't have the skills to handle it well. And we're going to see more of that. I think in the next three episodes as somebody who has never lost in his life and never been told no, like gets a lot of firsthand experience in both. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we all hope the, yeah. the other character that I just simply love from this episode was Zemo. I mean, they <laughs> let him stretch his legs and he he was actually much more interesting in this one 
hour-long show than he was in Civil War to me. I mean, and he was interesting in Civil War, but this was, this was cool. Uh, dancing aside, uh, you know, the, the, the turns. Also, clearly Daniel Brühl, who uh, plays him, just, just got a kick out of putting on that purple mask. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, now I look yeah. like the guy from the comics. So, so I thought that was really cool. I really, uh, this episode was so pretty. Like, it was it? beautifully shot. Madripoor. And then we got the bar and Madripoor. Honestly, Don, I was like, Don and I are really going to look forward to talking about this because this mm-hmm. looks like the part of Singapore where they filmed season three of Westworld that also look like the future. Yes. <laughs> It, it looks was, like yeah, a prettier version of Blade Runner. The Runner. sad part is, is you can't go anywhere in America that looks like that, right? Because no, no. we don't have any infrastructure. But at just least like, not yet. Sam's ridiculous outfit was beautiful, and like watching how they choreographed the fight scene was really pretty, and the place they went was pretty, and you know, like even in the grubby bar, like. It was kind of pretty and like the the place when they went upstairs, it was like just the right amount of like crime overlord, but also like college apartment. And, you know, it very much looked like um, whoever's there either just either just did or is about to do crime. (laughs) And Do crime. (laughs) They're going to go do crime. And it's like the live, laugh, love poster of Madripoor. Do crime. <laughs> it is. Do crime. Yes. Keep mm-hmm. keep calm and do crime. Right. <laughs> there you the go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and like watching the fight, watching the explosion, watch looking at that beautifully ordered shipping container slash laboratory. Like you know, like the, the laboratory like, was super fancy. I, I still so have on my to do list to go through and look at all the backgrounds. Mm-hmm. in the la- uh, laboratory to see what I could yeah. pick out. And uh, just look at the sets in the show. So good. But I think it is so interesting about Majapur. So it's like basically a sideways entrance for the X-Men at any point. And I kind mm-hmm. of love that this is two shows in a row that have, have done that. Cause you know, we yeah. did have the, the fake Pietro casting, which was a huge <laughs> fake out. Um, and now we have Madripoor, which is where uh, Wolverine often hangs out at a bar. Well, let's see if they oh. let's see if they they manage to do shoutouts in Loki. Uh, yeah. Is it June? <laughs> yes, it's coming in June. In June. Yeah, yeah, June. Uh, yeah. It's basically the MCU version of Hulu's acclaimed "Find Me in Paris," a show about a time traveling ballerina. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had that discussion yeah. in another Slack, and that was awesome. No, no, like I saw I. Uh, uh, we're tangenting. We're tangenting for a moment here. I've, ju- I've just decided to turn tangent to verb. We've done that this meds. whole episode. We started with Oklahoma well, and vaccinations. But um, when I first saw the, the Loki uh, trailer yesterday and all of his, uh, the, the thing is, is the Owen Wilson character looks very much like a character in a tween show. My daughter very much loves called find me in Paris. And I was like, this is giving me big time Vera and find me in Paris vibes. And so without saying anything to my daughter, I'm like, come over here, take a look at this, take a look at this. And I went to play the trailer for her and she's like, Oh, it's find me in Paris, but with Loki. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I just love the idea that someone on that writing staff is like, yes, I I dreamt of making a show about time traveling ballerinas, but I had to do it with the MCU instead. But all I got was Marvel. (laughs) Exactly. All I got was Don Hiddleston. That's a hardship. (laughs) By the way, uh, getting back to uh, reaction on the show, something I forgot uh, is uh, the, the, the person who got slapped with the exposition was also mm-hmm. the guy who got dead very, very quick in this uh, episode, Nagel. But his exposition was riveting yes. because it tied together like a good dozen uh, MCU films. Right? Yep. Yeah. No, <laughs> and, it was. It was and good. I was hanging on every word this guy said. I couldn't believe that. I was like, my God, this is just exposition. What the heck? And the fights going on outside, that's how good the show was. So what I like about this is he mentions I got the blood off an American super soldier. And Don, I noticed in the recap, you're like, it is probably um, 
Isaiah Bradley. Isaiah. And then Probably. Sam and I confirms thought, that on the plane. Well, no, Sam Sam assumes it on the plane. Yeah, assumes but, it. But he assumes it. But I think I would also suspect there's nothing to say that they didn't take a lot of Steve Rogers' blood when he woke up. Uh, and, it, could, it could be Steve Rogers, but remember what he said be, about his serum, and we'll get to the whole. I, uh, I feel like thing. being vague about it, like you could either be like, okay, this is just another example of Isaiah being dehumanized, which is a, an entirely reasonable thing for Sam to think, especially given his character arc in this show. But I think that the writers are doing a thi- are, are 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 doing the writerly trick where they they have a sentence that can land with different audiences who are seeing different things. I think we're going to find out that there's more scope to the super soldier program than we think that there is. Okay, let me dive deep on that. I, I'm pretty sure it's mm-hmm. Isaiah Bradley because of the way uh, Nagel described mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the attributes in the blood. And also the way he created his serum, you know, not to bulk, you know, over muscle, uh, muscle you. It's, you know, it's going to be much more subtle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, uh, clearly Car- uh, Carly Morgenthau is still a slight woman. She didn't like bulk up like uh, Steve yeah. Rogers. So uh, I think there's that. And by the way, speaking of uh, super soldier serums, I can't believe we didn't make the joke tying that to our vaccinations so <laughs> i don't want to really joke about the vaccinations go back too and much, laugh though. about that earlier yeah i don't want to uh, joke about that. so uh the other thing is remember when i went deep on super soldier uh serums last episode yeah. i suspect we are going to have another revisit of that before this whole show is over now something i mentioned in the recap that the ambiance and characters uh, are straight out of a John Wick movie. Yes. You know why that is, don't you? They all no. come from Madripoor? No, because Derek Kolstad wrote this episode. Do you know who he is? Uh, no. no. He's the guy who created the John Wick franchise. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> <laughs> we had a little early really there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he's he's writing the next episode too. He's actually Ooh. as one of the executive producers for the show because you don't bring in Kolstad and don't give him a piece of the pie, right? So, uh, but that's exciting. why it feels that way. So and they're so vague on so many of the detail. Like this episode, for all that it feels like a ten-pound exposition dump in a five-pound bag, I had so many questions at the end of it and i feel like it was deliberate on the writer's part like again you're telling me that steve rogers who is a guy who did his best to watch out for everybody who stuck their necks out for him during civil war like doesn't check in with sharon carter during the five years where he had nothing better to do than lead a grief group Mm -hmm. like you're telling me that in the confusion and disarray that presumably took place after the blip, like nobody at any government agency was like, we should get Sharon Carter back in some way, shape or form because we're down 50% of our, our, our competent staff. And it'd be nice to have her back in from the cold. Like if I were in shield and I had someone like Sharon Carter in the wind after the blip, I'd be worried. So like, I kept thinking I have a lot of questions about her plot and her character development. And it was great for moving the story along. Cause she's got this, she's got this fly apartment and great parties and the Zemo disco scene, which is endlessly gifable, but, and, and we see that she has abundant insider knowledge and she can beat up bounty hunters, but well, like how well, she got to that point, I have so many questions. I don't well, believe her did, story. Maybe they did get together and, yeah. Just like the comics, maybe sometimes it doesn't work out. So yeah. I have so many questions. And the other thing I have questions about is, you know, we have the scene with Carly where it's it's made clear that she and her lieutenant were in Madripoor at some point. Mm-hmm. So they were clearly working with or for the power broker or in some sort of circle where they got access to the 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 serum or you know, either through the broker directly or through the broker's circles. The displacement thing just is weird to me like how did she get there to begin with why was she displaced from there how is this turned into her 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 stateless person narrative i also think there is something that has been cut out of um the entire series and i have a theory here 
Uh, and I'm not the only one who has this theory. I've, I've heard other people mention this online, but from the interview that I listened to with uh, Malcolm Spellman, they, you know, they asked him about our pandemic and how that affected uh, the way the show was written and produced and filmed and stuff. And he said, well, really, uh, it affected it a lot. And I think there is a whole story arc that they have cut out of the show. Remember how uh, the flag mm-hmm. smashers are stealing vaccines and everything. Yeah, yeah. And whenever they talk about um, what Carly's mom died of or something Tuberculosis, like that. Tuberculosis. It's easily transmissible in refugee camps. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's done. Take a look when those, those scenes are done. Mm-hmm. The people saying them, the camera is not on their mouths. Yeah. And it yeah. sounds like a dub. Yeah. So it what I thought like was interesting. Dub, it sounds like a dub. So I yeah. think they cut out a whole pandemic storyline yeah. because. We're going to have to like revisit this in future episodes. Um, because if they did, it will be interesting for us to see where the series was stitched around the holes as it were. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, one of the things I noticed is when Carly's with her, um, you know, surrogate mother figure, the mother is holding an amulet uh, that's more commonly known as a Hamsa or the hand of Fatima. And it's usually an open palm with five fingers. There's typically um, an eye floating in the middle of the palm. And, oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Instead, it was replaced with the logo of the Flag Smashers. Um, mm, and interesting. I did not I, notice that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to drop you guys a link to the Hamsa now so that... Uh, you can see what I'm talking about. Uh, audience, I apologize that I can't drop a link to you, but um, them's the breaks for listening versus typing. And, uh, <laughs> but what I thought was striking was the Hamsa had been so easily reappropriated and um, had the, the this movement's imagery uh, pushed into it. And number two, it's not Western. It's not like western european civilization imagery so this suggests Mm -hmm. like a genuinely global movement and i find myself tremendously curious as to what kind of economic and social migration patterns had begun to happen post blip that either got reversed or pushed back against hard lisa you're you're a social scientist at heart aren't you i think i am (laughs) i was trained as a biologist but yeah social scientist at heart Yeah, you know. No, I, I I find that very interesting, and I'm kicking myself because I didn't notice that. That that is cool. Yeah, oh, some other things I like. And I was like, oh my god, I was like, this movement has jewelry, and I thought, wait, no, this makes sense. If it was like an organic movement that moved through refugee camps, mm-hmm. then the only question is. How did the power broker and Carly, what is their connection to the camps? How did you, like, walk me through the steps that went from power broker to serum to Carly to camps to now? Because we don't quite have that yet. Right. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to get more of that, but we're still not going to get enough. There was another, uh, (laughs) there was Mm -mm. another couple of moments in the episode that I really got a kick out of. I don't know if you noticed this callback, but in Madripoor, after they finally make their way, um, out of the containers and Zemo uh, and Sharon uh, uh, kill almost everybody. And they get in the classic car. Uh, Bucky gets in first and then Sam has to hop in the back. And (laughs) Sam says, you're Mm -hmm. not going to move your seat forward. Are you? And Bucky says, no, no. And that is a total callback to civil war where Mm -hmm. they're in the Volkswagen. Yeah. But, Bucky is in front, Sam is uh, in the back, and they're watching uh, Steve get some lip uh, with Sharon, and Bucky says, can you move your seat up? And Sam says, no. No. (laughs) So so the Falcon and the Snowman can't be friends. No, they apparently cannot. (laughs) But for, for that tiny little moment to be something that somebody goes, Oh my God, if we're going to put them in a car, we have to do this for mm-hmm. somebody to remember that and have that there for that. Like that, this is, is 
I always the, laughed my ass off that they, yeah, the, oh, because of it. the detail, right? But it's, yes, it's the strong WandaVision vibe of yes. all the teeny tiny little things. It's um, uh, the the Imagineering approach, mm-hmm. right? Where yeah. wherever yes. you're standing, whatever angle you're looking, you can never see the camera. Whatever angle you're looking, you can't see the seams. You can't see mm-hmm. the world. All you see is the thing that you built. Like, that's the whole yeah. point of, like, you know, in, in the Disney parks and stuff. Um, that's the piece of this that I enjoy very much is um, those kinds of details. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I completely agree. Yeah. And the thing and is, well you played. don't have to know about that that particular callback to Civil War to appreciate that moment because right. it it's just, funny by itself. Yeah, but I actually kind of you know. I actually kind of hope these guys don't become friends if that makes sense. Like, I'd like to see them just be like, okay, fine, we're coworkers and we have a common goal, but we don't need each other to fill the holes that we have on our own. We have our own uh-huh. stuff going on. Like, and I kind of like that's that, what grownups do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I really like the idea that that the Disney show doesn't become a Disney movie, you know, <laughs> yeah. and get its Disney movie ending. Like mm-hmm. I'm into, you know, we joked mm-hmm. uh, on on Maximoff Overdrive. We joked about um, here's eight episodes of two wet cats in a sack. Go, <laughs> you know, and and, mm-hmm. and I hope that it doesn't turn into. Uh, you know, two wet cats in a sack can be friends. I kind of hold. I like them prickly, and and it's way more interesting to watch. Well, what do and, they have uh, in common other than Steve? Well, uh, oh, let me check my notes second, here. Um, in my notes here, plane ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, my notes here say diddly, yeah. and also diddly. squat. That's See what, what I. They have in I what I really enjoyed about the first plane ride with Zemo is how Zemo played that uh, Zemo was doing his best <laughs> to exacerbate the gulf between the two of them mm-hmm. yeah. because he figured out that so long as the two of them are united in contempt for a third party, they're perfectly productive. And so he's clearly trying to amplify Bucky's you're out of touch old man thing and uh, then play on mm-hmm. Sam's you can't keep up with my 12 dimensional chess worries because Sam does make that comment in the episode okay I'm the rube I got it and Zemo yeah, was clearly making fun of Sam or whatever yeah. it is he says yeah and Z- Zemo was clearly trying to play that up because it goes along with Sam's feelings of never measuring up in the eyes of the people who do get to decide who Captain America is mm-hmm. um and this is the guy who did get turned down by a bank 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 manager and and Zemo apparently like could clock this at 12 paces and and went with it and with Bucky he's he's going with the you don't know who you are when you're not a tool um and that said it did break my heart to see Bucky like drop back into that winter soldier posture and the stance and and be turned into a tool again it was really hard to look at well the um, bad news is uh-huh. you know he's probably violated his p- parole Oh my God! You think? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think not he may know have. That he was uh, it, right? When you help Baron Zemo break out of jail, I think you're probably. Um, you're, I think you're... he wiped his butt with his parole, is what I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe the last episode ends with Bucky back behind bars and his therapist talking to him through like a little through through the little visiting visiting glass, and they they resume their sessions that way. Um, I I would not think that was trite. Uh, uh, I would actually almost think that was cool. So yeah. I could I could live with that. Well, yeah, I'd like it because that. we'd get more Doctor Rayner, and that's never yeah. a bad thing. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah, I and Dr. I love Rainer this episode. Yeah, she's, and I have to say, I spirit. I would like to see Doctor Rayner go up against Baron Zemo. <laughs> Oh, that would be interesting. That would be fun. Yeah. Like the other thing about um, watching him be watching Bucky be the Winter Soldier, I thought was it seemed hard on him too. Yeah. To do that. Like he didn't feel any more comfortable in it than I did watching it. And I kind of felt better that like maybe I think doing that helped him appreciate how much he has changed since then. Well, I hope so. Yeah, because he may feel like he's not getting any better, you know, or like this isn't doing anything like I'm not helping. But, you know, you saw how important it was for him to have his notebook and you saw how important it was for, uh, you know, like how how he really didn't like doing Mm -hmm. any of that. And I, I felt like maybe that was the reminder that he needed, like, 
do you understand how far you've come? Because you've come farther than you think. And I think um, part of Bucky's hangup is that he's not giving he's not giving himself enough credit mm. because he's still hung up on you know on what Steve thought of him. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, you know what? We're we're actually like talking more about uh, what we hope is coming. So do you think that is a cue for us to shift from the reaction portion of the episode to the really? really? Yeah, I, I think that's our cue to shift. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. All right, Don, time for really. Okay, I got <laughs> some, I've got some uh, information, uh, partly because in, in our messages chat this week, uh, mm-hmm. Kelly asked me, to uh, tell her all about uh, Baron Zemo. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Helmut Zemo, this particular Baron, is the 13th in the barony of Zemo. Of course, he's the 13th. Which in the comics (laughs) was the barony Barony of Zemo. Zemo. Okay. Uh, Didn't I express a fervent desire last week that we lean straight into the barony? Like yes. madness. Oh, oh my God. Is I like familial. Shri- is it dread pirate Roberts? Like, what are we having? Yeah. So when oh. they had that moment in the show, I was like, oh, Lisa is freaking out right now. <laughs> I was, you know me well. I was shrieking in glee. Um, I, oh, I was so delighted. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, Don. Come on. Keep, keep dropping the Baron on us as it were. Yeah. Yes. Keep dropping the bit. So the Baron has been around since the 15th century, the late 15th century. And uh, this Zemo is helmet Zemo. H-E-L-M-U-T, not M E T. Some ignorant American would spell it. Uh, and uh, like I said, he's the uh, 13th. And uh, these are not uh, fine people. They, uh, his <laughs> father, at least in the comics, Heinrich Zemo, was, uh, was a scientist in the Nazi era. Uh, mm. era. And uh, these people go back through the centuries as, you know, being uh, essentially consistently uh, backing the wrong horse, huh? Yeah. White supremacists, basically Uh, like that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, and uh, really awful people. Uh, And uh, the, the current Zemo helmet Zemo actually in the comics gets hold of a, uh, essentially a time machine uh, to help his lineage uh, get moving a little better and more organized. He actually I think <laughs> goes back and helps the third Baron assassinate the second Baron. And, uh, and then he assassinates the fifth Baron. And it, it's, it's just nuts. Uh, and Zemo uh, was also uh, first, his father, Heinrich Zemo uh, was the leader, I guess, of, I think his father was, uh, the Masters of Evil, who were antagonists <laughs> for the Avengers. And then later... <laughs> they later tour on, with the Monsters of Rock. And, <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. This, Such you know, a bold claim, because, like... You know, people <laughs> always tell me that the MCU movies, the movies are so silly and everything else. It's like... Have you did, read a comic book? <laughs> have to, read yeah. a comic book and tried <laughs> to summarize it? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Have you said so, any of uh, this out loud to another person ever? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, masters uh, of Evil. Oh mas- that's, that's what it's called. Now, the Masters of Evil. I can't even actually, really. It's just so dumb. <laughs> we've broken Lisa. I'm sorry. So, Good night, everybody. You have to, you have to understand have the glass blowing and Masters evil. of Evil and, and, and Baron Zemo to the Thunderbolts and... I could go on and on, but it's it's dull. So anyway, he's oh, yeah, he's now a, we're both broken because Lisa took me down with I have master <laughs> evil and glass blowing. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm afraid it's I got my bachelor's in that. Lisa. I got my bachelor's in anthropology, but I've never master's in evil. <laughs> master's in evil. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well what's your doctor in? <laughs> I know. I mean, at that point, I don't. I, I think they would end up killing their dissertation committee. I mean, exactly. well, that's exactly. how you get your masters in evil. Is yeah, nobody you survives. Yeah. You have to kill your advisor. That's how I'm, whoever's left standing awards it to you. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> so, one of the other backstories I wanted to get into was uh-huh. uh, uh, Io, who in the MCU. 
we first see in Civil War uh, as a pretty minor part. She's one of the guards of uh, Chala, mm -hmm. uh, the Black Panther, and uh, she does a little mm, dance with yeah. uh, the uh, the Black Widow there on you know uh, stuff. Uh, she's also in the Black Panther movie. She's also in uh, uh, Infinity War, uh, but she's not in Endgame. So, oh. uh, and uh, she is also Ayo is a character in the comics, uh, kind of slightly different in the comics because she takes a turn of going uh, uh, full villain uh, with a couple of the other. Uh, Dora Milaje. The Dora Milaje are the female bodyguards in Wakanda's special forces. We see them played to the hilt uh, uh, in the Black Panther uh, movie. Uh, mm -hmm. And those are also uh, in the comics and have went back. I oh, think, wait, I think I, think I read that. Back I think I read the seven. run where um, it's uh, a pretty recent run of Black Panther where she... Um, where she hooks up with uh, like the Midnight Angels, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what yeah. they're called. I did yeah. not actually read those. I had to read online about this, and I was like, I did oh. my own. Oh, really? <laughs> so. No, I, I read that line. Um, I, I read that Mr. Coates um wrote that. Tanahasi Coates. Yeah. Uh -huh, yes. Uh, he he wrote that, and um, I thank you for pronouncing his first name. I've only ever read it, and I didn't want to mispronounce it and uh if i like youtube you pronounce it phonetically <laughs> that's all, all i did <laughs> yeah. so okay but uh, so if if i if if we're wrong on pronunciation please let us know that's why why i wanted to go with mr coates does it seem more respectful um, but i read i read that run on black panther last summer and it was wild oh my gosh it yeah. was i mm -hmm. i read it too it was very interesting yeah yeah so uh, speaking of that, Wakanda and mm -hmm. stuff, the thing uh, we see uh, Bucky at the final scene where he goes on his little walk at the end of the episode, yeah. uh, he discovers Kamoyo beads. And mm -hmm. these are sort of, uh, we really see these first in uh, the Black Panther movie. And they're sort of like all-purpose Wakandan technology. They're, so you know, they're used for communication and information storage. The Black Panther, when he's uh, trying to um, uh, essentially rescue his girlfriend from her covert op mm -hmm. and uh, attack the the train of trucks or whatever, uh, he uh, they toss several of those down to monitor mm -hmm. the situation. Mm -hmm. So that's what they're for. Yeah. And so it's clear that uh, if Ayo is there in uh, Riga, uh, she's they, going to do some killing. Yeah. yeah, they. Yeah, she's going to do some killing, and she might have already done some mm -hmm. because those have been laying around for a while. So the question is, did they? Did she know that Zemo was, and they were on their way there, mm -hmm. or was she there for the other person that Zemo is trying to meet? So we don't know. But that's what that stuff is. I liked the reminder that. Uh, there is a huge connection between Bucky Barnes and Wakanda because they are the ones who undid all of the winter soldier programming that Zemo mm -hmm. explored in the, and the, he's the, the is, he's the white wolf. Yeah. Yeah. And they Which mentioned, is, and he way, made reference to that like last, last episode, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the, he's also mentioned it to Dr. Rayner. He said something mm -hmm. about like the only, the only piece I've known is in Wakanda or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, uh, I think it was actually the first episode where mm -hmm. uh, uh, Bucky mentions to, well, Sam makes a joke when they're in the warehouse watching the flag smashers uh, take mm -hmm. the vaccines and other stuff. And uh, Sam makes a joke about his nickname in Wakanda. And, and Bucky says, seriously, he said, actually, it was White Wolf. But that's actually a character in the comics, too. That, that was a whole, you know. Yeah. Uh, so these are, you know, it's not that they, I mean, sometimes in these shows and in these movies, they just pull stuff out of their creative heinies, but, uh, most of it is, uh, uh, taken from names, everything else. And most of the behaviors from the comics, it's based on well, something. Yeah. Right. You know, like Nagel, I mean, uh, he, uh, 
he was uh, essentially a uh, hydrocyanist back in the 50s. You know, he mm-hmm. wouldn't okay. have, in the comics, he wouldn't have been, you know, he was the guy who, uh, Nagel was one of the people under an assumed name that uh, started the uh, super social pro, uh, program that experimented on Isaiah Bradley and the others. Nagel is actually... He's like a minor character in the comics, and he's really only in that uh, um, in that whole special series that was done on uh, Isaiah Bradley. Oh, okay. As far as I know, I I hadn't read about him uh, okay. uh, before, but they sort of retconned him into the fifties and and you know taking over for Erskine. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Not like they didn't retcon everything about every other character in the Marvel <laughs> universe. Well, like uh, Sharon, I mean, Sharon Carter uh, debuted in the mid to late sixties in the comics mm-hmm. uh, in, I think tales of suspense. Uh, and she was originally um, Peggy Carter's younger sister, <laughs> which was a stretch even then. Cause Peggy Carter was, you know, alive during the second world war. And it's like younger sister. Yeah, how many different <laughs> year, you know years is between it, but uh, by the time the two thousands rolled around, she'd been retconned into uh, the grandniece or something like that, which is <laughs> basically what she is in in yeah. the MCU as well. But you know, uh, Sharon's been, uh, you know, they killed her off at one time, and then they decided they wanted to bring her back, you know, because she's Cap's love interest, and so <laughs> they had it. Uh, they retconned it so that her death was fake so she could do an undercover op for S.H.I.E.L.D. And, you know, uh, and then she got mind controlled by uh, uh, one of the Red Skulls, who never seems to die, that guy. Uh, one of, of his operatives. she got mind controlled. Yeah. Yes. And uh, she actually wind up, wound up helping to kill Captain America. Mm. Or at least everybody thought he was dead and it, that's really complicated. And so, but she's in the comics at one time, she's been the head of shield, uh, uh, the executive director is, it's just like nuts that they've went all over the place. So I actually like Sharon in the movies better because she is kind of a, you know, play by the, she starts out as played by the rules, but she, she learns the way, the ways of the world. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. Yeah, I I love Emily Vandekamp. Uh, oh yes, as, as an actress, yeah. like I adored her on Revenge because she Same. went for oh my gosh because she she played a duplicitous character so well, mm-hmm. and there were some shades of that in this episode that I adored too. And I like that you've given backstory and suggested things like brainwashing, etc. Because now this brings up all sorts of exciting new possibilities. Oh yeah, they've done yeah. everything with that character. I, can... I'm I'm curious if we're gonna get any more of her because I hope so because I like her. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Uh, she'll be in more. Uh, yeah. The actress Vendicamp well, uh, has said she's in other episodes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I yeah yeah. No, this was the first week they listed her as a character in the open in the closing credits because I've been watching the credits every week. It's been fun to see all of the visual references show up, like the monkey from the bar in Madripoor was in this week's episode. <laughs> so yep. now that inclusion makes sense in the credits and you can find all sorts of Easter eggs. And for the first two episodes, you have what is clearly a picture of Emily Vandekamp as Sharon Carter, but you didn't have any name mentioned. And then this week, Emily Vandekamp was finally listed. I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. So, so it was, it was gratifying. Um, so we've done our really we've reacted a whole lot to <laughs> this episode we've hit the halfway show point for the show i think we've hit the end point though for this episode uh before we finish out what's one thing that you hope we see or we get some clarity on next week kelly um i would like i i feel reasonably convinced that Sharon is the power broker, but I would like to get um, more uh, like more definitive proof of that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also like to watch uh, Ao. Is that her name? 
Yes. Don from Wakanda. Ayo. Uh yes, I I would like like to watch AO open several cans of whoop ass and I really don't care who they're on. Uh, <laughs> I just enjoy watching watching a, a, a good old fashioned Wakanda whoop ass delivery and it makes mm-hmm. me happy. A good old fashioned Wakanda throwdown. Yes. Mm-hmm. Don, what do you hope we see next week? Uh, or, what would you, or what would you like some clarity on? I would like some clarity on who exactly has taken the damn serum. Mm. You know, this well, that's is, a good question. Uh, yeah. I, you know, it's the same question we're all wondering here in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I see what you did there. Valid. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, there were twenty files that those go to. Uh, did Carly give those all to her people? Is it all the flag smashers? Is uh, uh, have there been other programs? Uh, is did the CIA actually uh, continue uh, the program and just told Nagel that they didn't? Mm. Uh, it does that mean that uh, Walker and Battlestar? have the serum um i i don't know uh and i would like to know that the other thing i would like to know if i get two things is i would like to get clarity on the power broker because the power broker in the comics is um uh although the names for his whole mythos are like they just ran out of good names uh that week uh (laughs) You know, because he works for, you know, his organization is called The Corporation, and he's called Power Broker. <laughs> Do they not work with creative. the Masters of Evil at all? Uh, <laughs> not technically. It's worse. It's almost like uh, he was running a world wrestling federation of uh, uh, with the super soldier serums. Uh, oh, it's not. Uh, so uh, uh, I, I almost want to see him in uh the mcu mm-hmm. in the comics there are actually two people that are called the power broker the the first one was killed by uh the punisher because that's what the punisher does he kills people mm-hmm. uh and uh the second one is like a, a completely different kind of person but running that uh same or similar organization so that would be interesting i'd like to get clarity on that the other thing is i got to agree with what uh, I forget which one of you said earlier that if I had a third thing is, can you give me the whole timeline on the flag smashers and how, how and why this whole thing works? Because, you know, I can kind of understand our heroes. I can kind of understand uh, Zemo. I mean, I'd like to know, get more backstory on Sharon, but the whole flag smasher thing, I want to know who's really manipulating them and why, why this whole thing with the power broker is going on because it, it based mm-hmm. on the dialogue it sounds like a lot of them came from you know the slums of madripoor so how, how why were they, they end down up there? there yeah yeah, yeah no yeah. I, I, have, I have so many questions about oh, there's a lot of evidence to global diasporas and refugee yeah committees and i kept thinking if that's the case what kind of global migrations did we see like were there entire nations where they're like well no one is currently living in insert name of place with abundant natural resources so let's go um (laughs) it's Uh, yeah i think um like that makes a lot like yeah I, i i would like to see more of that and i i hope that we will get more of the flag smasher story as we get more of Carly's story. Cause we're going to get more of Carly's story yeah, because hopes. they're going to continue to make her. Well, okay. My hope is that they continue to make her who they've set her up to be so far, which is somebody who is maybe doing some bad stuff, but doing it for all the right reasons, you know, um, to bring yeah. up your favorite from WandaVision, Lisa, for the children, for you the know, children. um, <laughs> she's, tr- she's trying to like, she, you know, she told one of the guys on the way out before she blew him up, uh, you know, you were just sitting here with six months of supplies and yeah. we needed them. You know, we need that. Like we're we're starving or what, you know, whatever it is she says to him. And then she blows him right the F up. Yeah. And so I, I, I hope that we get more of her as a complicated character, as an interesting character, as somebody who, um, uh, you know, has the right motivations, but maybe not the best 
execution on those intentions and motivations. So um, I'm hoping we get we get more of that and that by extension, as we hear more of her story, we will hear more of the Flag Smasher story. Yeah. Like how they got that terrible name. It's it's such bad marketing. <laughs> yes. Well, it's like a, you're you know, not it's gonna a... inspire one world no borders by by flag smasher. Like it'd be better if you were mm-hmm. just like Unity World or or something, something. along those lines where you have yeah. like a goal to work toward that doesn't immediately imply violence and loss. Yeah. Well, just so you know, getting back to the really uh, thing, okay. flag smasher hyphenated like Spider Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, was the name of a single character. It wasn't really necessarily an organization, although the flag smasher right. had an organization. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really? and there were two different characters uh, with those names. Uh, and, you know, the first of those characters being Carl, you know, the mm-hmm. the original gender of Morgenthau. Uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so uh, the one thing, you know, talk about the name is stupid. His costume, oh, God, so stupid. Uh, just uh, you to go, just look online for that, and you're like, oh, that's pathetic. That's yeah. really <laughs> so uh, you know, people always say the Congress are like so good, and many of them are, but some of them were like, yeah, that didn't really work. Didn't really work. So. Yeah, don't don't try to shoehorn. You can always just do subtle references that that people will make 15 minute reaction YouTube videos about anyway. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. So I want to thank everybody for their contributions and another lively podcast. Everything from the recap to the really segment was fantastic (laughs) tonight. And it was a delight to talk to you both. I want to also thank our listeners for coming along on the ride with the Falcon and the Snowman can't be friends. And (laughs) tune in to next week's episode of I want my MCU TV to see how we slaughter the show name yet again. Um, (laughs) I can't promise anything except perhaps that we won't do this to the Loki show. (laughs) And that's only a maybe. That's That's only a maybe. Four letters. It's kind of hard to fudge them. Mm, You know, we're a creative bunch. (laughs) Challenge accepted, Melton. (laughs) (laughs) And on that ominous promise, I am Lisa Schmeiser with Kelly Gamont and Don Melton. Good night, everybody.